This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and you're listening to the Powercat Pregame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Following a dominating victory over longtime Big 12 and Big 8 conference opponent Missouri, who is now in the SEC, Kansas State wraps up the non-conference portion of its schedule on Saturday as the Tulane Green Wave from the American Conference visits Manhattan and Bill Snyder Family Stadium for a 2 p.m. game that will be televised on ESPN Plus Big 12 Now. It will be the second meeting between the two schools and the first time ever in Manhattan as Tulane took the first meeting 20-16 in New Orleans back in 1988. It was a long time ago, but I remember it, and I am Tim Fitzgerald, Go Powercat publisher, and this is the Powercat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I hope you are still enjoying the victory over Missouri as dominating as it was, and I hope if you were at the game, you finally dried out because it was a fairly miserable day for the teams and fans in attendance at the bill. A steady Cold rain took place throughout most of the game, including about an hour delay for a lightning strike too close to the stadium. We don't know what the weather will be like Saturday because when we taped this podcast last week, we thought it was going to be sunny. And then the rain showed up later in the week in the forecast. And now we've seen the rain in the early forecast and maybe it will be sunny. So come prepared. Keep an eye on the weather because it could be an interesting day at the bill. Tulane is coached by Kansas native Willie Fritz, who started off playing at Pitt State, has worked his way up through the ranks and now is in his seventh season at Tulane and looks like at age 62. He is settling in for the long run in New Orleans and he will bring a very talented and well-coached team to Bill Snyder Family Stadium this weekend. The Green Wave are currently 2-0 and on the season after going 2-10 last year in a really strange season that saw them lose a lot of close games, including a one-touchdown defeat at Oklahoma to open last season. On today's podcast, we'll take you through all of the different layers of this game, and there are many to peel back, and we will start that shortly with our own Ryan Wallace, our recruiting expert, and he helps out with team coverage at Go Powercat. Wally has looked at the film of Missouri. He has assessed Tulane, and he's got some great thoughts on the importance of this game and the challenge that awaits the Wildcats. 
And then after the break, we will talk to new Kansas State safety Josh Hayes, who played his first game as a Wildcat last week against Missouri. And he learned very quickly a lesson on the field. Stay tuned for that after our commercial break. And also then we'll bring in Brian Hanley, our football analyst at Go Power Cat, to get us ready. Talk to Chris Kleiman briefly, and then we'll wrap up the show as we always do with Ryan Gilbert as we take a look at the lines around the Big 12 and the betting aspect of college football as it continues to grow in importance and is now legal in the state of Kansas. But as I mentioned, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. And let's get things rolling here by bringing in our own Ryan Wallace, who covers recruiting and the team for us at GoPowerCat.com. And Wally, let's start by going backwards, because I want to get your thoughts on the win over Missouri. You attempted to go. Uh, you forgot to dress for the monsoon, the cold monsoon that would come. I assume you failed to dress for that, but it was just ridiculous conditions. Give me your thoughts on the game, what you saw in person, and what you saw in a sports bar. Yeah, uh, from from a weather <laughs> standpoint, um, my wife and I prepared as best we could. We had what we thought was, you know, waterproof <laughs> uh, rain jackets, and I had on some jogging pants that I thought would, you know, the water would run off of, and we quickly realized that uh, no, that that stuff was not going to do any good. It was it was chilly. It was just constant wet. Um, and so yes, uh, like many others, we watched the rest of the second half from Aggieville. But it was a fun game to watch from the simple standpoint of it's everything that you and I discussed last week. It was Kansas State coming out against a Missouri program that showed up with their chest puffed out and ready to talk, and they just got smacked right across the chest. It was fun to see Kansas State do some different things. I know a hot topic on Wabash Station uh, this week has been, when are we going to see this offense do something? And again, you know, Fitz, I've, I've tried to explain it. I'm not sure if there was the thought that Colin Klein was going to have this Mike Leach, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury type offense, but you know, you, you kind of are what you know. And we're talking about a quarterback that came up with Del Miller and Dana Dimmel and Courtney Messingham. And, you know, even at you and I, when he went up there for a year or two, they're not really a spread tempo thing. Colin Klein is very surgical in the way I think he goes about offense. He wants to have, you know, a rushing game, which he's we've seen the last two weeks. But I, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch him get creative and how he was motioning guys. We're, we're seeing more of like reverse concepts and the way that he's able to get Deuce Vaughn out of the backfield and get defenses to really focus in on 22 and lose sight of other creases and seams and routes. You know, again, I, I've been really pleased so far, I think, with the offense. Do we want to see some more highlight real plays? Yes. Do we want to see them stretch the field vertically? Yes, I think Colin Klein wants to, and maybe this weekend we'll get a chance to see a little bit of that. But all in all, I, I was wildly impressed with what the offense was able to do against an athletic Missouri defense. And then uh, obviously K-State's defense, you know, did their part. And I would ar almost argue that maybe Missouri outfought themselves on offense a little bit too. But overall, just a terrific 
outcome for K-State in a game that was um, uh, not as maybe fun to en- endure in the elements for fans. No, it was uh, fairly miserable for everyone who was out in the elements, including the team. But let me just ask this. Do you think the outcome of the game, uh, essentially a 34-point victory for K-State, and then they get six at the end, so it's a 28-point victory for the Wildcats. But was this due mostly to Kansas State being uh, maybe a little bit undervalued? out there maybe this is a pretty good k-state team or is it a fact that missouri was too wrapped up and we're the mighty sec and we're going to go in and roll and they're really not that good a football team probably a bit of both i mean if you're making me try and pick one of the other i i would side more with maybe k-state just being undervalued and honestly fits we talked again about this last week i think it was just a bad matchup for missouri they're not a physical team. They're not a disciplined team. Two things that K-State, you know, prides themselves on. And so it was just a bad matchup all around. And, and again, I go back and I'm not trying to say that, you know, Missouri should have or, you know, could have kept it any closer than it was. But I really think Eli Drinkwitz maybe got over his skis a little bit. I, looking back, I went home and rewatched the game on Sunday and I just didn't think it was a very good game plan or a well-called game by Missouri staff, both on offense and defense. But, you know, if I had to pick one, I would still say that K-State's just undervalued, underappreciated in so many elements, both on offense, defense, and special teams, just a more complete team than Missouri is. Yeah, it was impressive. It really was. And and going back to the Colin Klein thing, a lot of current college football fans – and NFL fans, for that matter, forget that there was a day that you only threw the ball when you needed to. You didn't build your offense around the passing game. A traditional football team ran it at you, and if you couldn't stop it, they were going to run it at you because there was less risk. There was more chance of keeping the ball away from your opponent and end up scoring and just humiliating your opponent with physical football. And while I recognize that Colin Klein will throw the ball, I mean, this is not fair reflection of what we're going to see over the course of a 12, 13, dare I say, 15-game season. But it is the truth that they didn't need to throw the ball either game. They certainly pulled that back against South Dakota. And then we saw the ramifications of Missouri throwing the ball in that weather. They had four straight turnovers, which might be quarterback-driven, or it might be the fact that the ball was wet and heavy, like K-State thought. No need to throw it. Why put it in peril? Now, this week, they keep juggling the weather. It's back to being hot and not rainy on Saturday, I think, but uh, we'll see what the conditions are. I feel like, Wally, if the conditions are good for throwing the ball, we will see K-State throw it more, but folks, we're not going to see K-State open up the playbook unless they absolutely need to, to beat Tulane, because I think they're focused on Oklahoma in terms of what they want to put on the field. What are we going to show now? And what are we going to show in Norman might be two different things. Yeah. And I think this is a game too, where, and we'll get into Tulane, I'm sure here in a minute, but I think this is a game where you'll be able to get a pretty good idea very quickly of of how this thing's going to go. And again, how deep into the playbook Colin Klein wants to go. I do think, and again, we'll we'll get into the green wave, but I do think just right off the cuff, they're a team in Tulane that you're going to have to put away. Um, you're not going to be able to take your foot off the gas the way that you could against South Dakota and the way you could against a mentally broken Missouri team that, you know, by halftime didn't want to be there, by the yeah. rain delay didn't want to be there. Um, Tulane will be different, but I, I do think early on you're going to figure 
Colin Klein will be able to have a pretty good pulse of what he can call and what's working and, and how deep into the, the playbook he wants to dive. But I'll also say this fits. And I know you, you know, this, and you agree with me on this, but for fans out there, uh, we have it on pretty good authority that, that this offense has not dived very deep into the playbook. No, <laughs> there's, there's a lot um, from sources that, that they haven't put out there. And again, I'm not talking about five wide crazy stuff, but just, they haven't really done a lot of what, um, they've practiced what they've expected to do or, or what they thought they might have to do uh, to this point of the season. I, it's coming, um, but no, they, they, there's a lot of this offense that just hasn't been unlocked yet. If I had to guess, based on what I saw at the Texas Bowl from Colin Klein, operating in a mostly foreign playbook, one that he didn't design, and now they they are running a offense he designed, but he set up a lot of plays through the game. We're going to do this, this, and this, and now we're going to do that off the same look. And I think that's what he's been doing in these games. We're going to show you this over and over, but that's not what we're going to run when we show you that later in the season. To doubt Colin Klein as an intelligent coach is a mistake because there's a lot going on there. We'll find out. But I know this, moving to the other side of the ball, this defense is damn good. And how good, we don't fully know yet. Do they have some weak spots? Absolutely, everyone does. Do they have some spots where if they get injuries, they're going to drop off? Absolutely. That's very true for this team and a big concern. But right now, this defense looks like an old K-State defense. They're running around, wrecking the opposing offense without being reckless themselves and getting out of position. It's been really fun and bringing back great thoughts of former K-State defenses and how they're out there mobbing away. They're doing their thing. Yeah, I was going to say, we've seen in the past, you know, some players or teams try and kind of revive maybe the, the lynch mob. But, I mean, this defense seems to play with that lynch mob mentality. They can throw up that sign like, you know, Chris Kleiman talks about, um, what does he say, mind on the ball yeah. um, for, for lynch mob. uh you know, that, that this group can do it. I will say, though, Fitz, and, and it, it's been tough to get a gauge and a temperature on how good Tulane is. You know, I think athletically and, you know, if you're just talking about recruiting stars or, you know, NFL potential, I think if you line Missouri and Tulane up, um, majority of coaches would come in and say that Missouri is the more talented team. But at the same time, I think you're going to see a Tulane team that's just better coached and just has more team chemistry. They know who they are, what they are, what their role is. This will be probably one of the tougher tests that this K-State defense sees from the green wave, maybe in the first half of the season. I think Oklahoma obviously presents some major challenges, but, you know, Texas Tech, Iowa State, those defenses or those offenses, excuse me, I don't know if they're going to test the K-State defense the way Tulane can. Will they will be the question. I mean, this is a a scoring offense that's averaging 47 points per game. Again, doing it against UMass and Alcorn State, albeit. But 465 yards per game to this point, um, right around seven yards per play. They haven't been as balanced as they want to be in terms of rushing versus passing. Um, when you look at it, I think they've had 83 rushes versus 53 pass attempts but they're averaging only 4.3 on the ground versus 15.1 through the air. And Michael Pratt is, is a um, Colin Klein like uh, quarterback in the sense where he's, he's a bigger physical quarterback that K 
can hurt you with his feet, but I think he's a far more talented passer than, than Colin was at this stage in his career. I, I listened to a podcast with him this week, Fitz, and he was talking about how, you know, they were asking him, what do you, what do you see from the K-State defense? What do you need to do this week to be successful? He said, we've got to dominate the run game. They, they're only going to put three guys in the box and they're going to drop eight. We cannot allow them to drop eight. We've got to get a run game going to open up our offense. And that's exactly what this two-lane offense is, Fitz. That they are speed and deep at wide receiver. They've got a Notre Dame transfer and a Maryland transfer that don't even start for this team at wide receiver. Um, and so, again, they're going to want to stretch the field vertically. They've got a really good all-purpose back named Tajay Spears that will start for them in the backfield, if, if they can get him going, um, it'll be interesting to see how this K-State defense reacts. But again, you know, getting back to what Joe Klanderman's group is doing, like I said, I think we'll find out real quick on offense and on defense what K-State's going to do. They're going to line up three, see if they can get pressure, see if they can, you know, take out um, the vertical threat of, of Tulane. But this is a, a, a matchup that um, does create some problems. 94 degrees dry team that's not afraid of the heat <laughs> you know it's not gonna not gonna um, mess with them so um k-state has been disciplined so far in the secondary but right. with a lot of new faces their communication is going to have to be on point this week well tulane struggled last season but um willie fritz is no dummy um he's a great football coach and he went out and scheduled umass 42 to 10 victory and alcorn state you know, they were they were really not good. 52 to nothing. The first shutout by a Green Wave football team in 25 years. So I thought that was rather significant. He's pulled a Bill Snyder here, Wally. He's, he's built his team's confidence. He's made them feel good. He went out and got a bunch of transfers. Now, granted, it's transfer portal, not junior college like Coach Snyder did back in the day, that have greatly improved his team. He has an advantage of being able to go to a bunch of high school coaches and say, hey, you know those kids that all went to bigger programs and are sitting on the bench? We got space for them if you want to tell them. Because a lot of kids transferred home, from what I understand, to back to New Orleans, which is you know, just a talent-rich area of the country. This is a pretty good team. And don't get lost to the fact that Tulane what, won two games last year or whatever it was. They opened at Oklahoma and lost 40 to 35. They were all over the Sooners. They threw it at will on that that team. It was absolutely amazing to to watch the replay of that and Michael Pratt who you mentioned um was an amazing 27 to 44 with three touchdowns in 296 yards. He carved up that Oklahoma defense at key points of that game. He's scary. I'm watching him. He puts the ball in the money, but not only accurate with his throws, Wally, he's incredibly precise with his reads. You can watch him go through his reads and get the ball released immediately to an open receiver. You leave those guys open a little bit like we saw last week against Missouri and their quarterbacks missed. He ain't going to miss that often. Yeah, I was going to say the quarterback will be play will be vastly different, regardless of weather elements. I mean, Michael Pratt is going to put it on there, uh, right on the numbers, and he's got the guys to do it. The Watts brothers, twins, are, are terrific for Tulane out wide. Like I said, this is a wide receiver group that's really scary. These are some playmakers that are really scary. And and again, maybe the talent isn't Luther Burden last week, a five-star kid, but uh, I counted six players on on Tulane's two deep that K State either offered as high school recruits or was extremely interested in Tyreek James, a, a tight end that's been around for Tulane is a, is a 
very gifted player. Uh, they've got Keith Cooper that's going to start up front that K-State was all over. Jaden Kennedy that K-State was all over out of high school. And then they've got, like I, like you were just saying, some elements of transfer players that have played at the highest level. Lance Robinson, that name ring a bell? <laughs> he's going to start. He's going to go head-to-head with Phillip Brooks and Malik Knowles um, at cornerback for Tulane. They've got a TCU transfer defensive tackle, Duke transfer at safety. Um, they've got guys that know their roles, and, and this is a team – that shouldn't be taken advantage of. We This has been kind of a trap game for me all offseason. Uh, Tulane, a team that I think if you go by the numbers, you know, the, well, they won two games last year. But like you said, there was the OU game, and that was one of five one-score losses for them. Um, and they've gone out. They've played OU tight. They played Auburn tight in 2019. They played Wake Forest tight on the road in 2018. Uh, this will be a team that I think will be a really good measuring stick for K-State, I, you know, should K-State win? Yes. Um, but it, it, it's tough to say because we, the, you just can't put a whole lot of confidence on who Tulane is. I think they're a pretty good team, but, you know, we thought Nevada was a pretty good team last year and K-State worked them. Um, we also thought Louisiana Tech was a pretty good team in 2015. And yeah, that, that team took K-State to triple overtime. What Tulane team are we going to see? Are we going to see Louisiana Tech 2015? We're going to see, you know, 2021 Nevada last year. Really, really excited for this matchup for K-State. And again, a really good measuring stick for them to head into a primetime matchup in Norman. The stats defensively look incredible for for Tulane, but I got to be honest, in watching those games, those were inept offenses. They just were. Sure. But we know this, Tulane's going to have speed. They're going to get around the field, and and you're not going to just beat them on raw athleticism. And they'll be fairly disciplined because, again, Willie Fritz is a hell of a football coach. Do we know anything of substance about this Tulane defense that would indicate that K-State is going to struggle against them after facing really two subpar offenses in their first two games? Well, unfortunately, you know, as we get back to we kind of round the circle here, I don't know if this is a matchup where if fans are hoping to see this K-State passing offense come alive. I don't know if it will. Maybe it will. Here's why. Tulane runs a four-two-five scheme, um, but if you look at their defensive line, it's it's not the biggest. I mean, it's it's averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe six-two-two-eighty on the interior, and then again some smaller guys that just are aggressive uh, on the ends outside of Keith Cooper, who's a little bit taller and longer. Um, but I think you're going to see K-State go at uh, this offense, this defensive line, and be physical. Uh, I think they're going to show them a heavy, you know, a stacked box and basically dare Tulane to try and stop the run. And maybe again, like I said, maybe that will open up um, some passing opportunities for K-State to catch Tulane off guard. But if I'm Colin Klein, I look at again, a a, uh, aggressive and athletic, but a little bit, maybe smaller defensive line. I'm, I'm going heavy. I'm going two tight ends, load the box and say, try and stop this this uh this rushing attack and then uh, in passing situations again i think you can try and go at and attack Tulane's athleticism in the secondary with a guy like deuce vaughn you know last week i talked about how maybe it was a bigger game for felix uh, and Udike uzama to have a maybe a better star potential than 
than Deuce. I, I think this is a really good matchup for Deuce Vaughn. I think he creates a lot of issues um, as a receiver for a group of two-lane linebackers that two-lane linebackers that I don't think they're used to covering in space. And so I think if if you're going to get the passing offense going and let's say Tulane finds a way to stop the run, I think this is a, a game where Deuce Vaughn can have a, a big-time afternoon as a receiver because I think that this Tulane linebacker group will really struggle covering him sideline to sideline in coverage. Well, here's the big question. Is Tulane better than Missouri? Is this the best team on K-State's non-conference schedule? Yes, that's the way I feel. Yes. I mean, I, I think it's the most complete package of a team. I think, again, line them up talent for talent, probably not. No. Um, maybe in some certain areas they're equally as athletic or you know what have you. But I think as a complete team, all three phases, we didn't even talk about special teams. They've got a really good return unit. Uh, I, I think this will be bar none the best team from top to bottom that, again, K-State's going to have to compete with for four full quarters. Yeah, and I go to that for one simple reason, coaching. I mean, if Tulane, if you're given one through ten, Tulane might be an eight or nine on the coaching level. And from what I saw from Missouri, they might be a one or two. That was a horribly coached <laughs> football team. That was just a joke. Um, and I, I, I'm i anxious, excited about this game because I don't know where it's going. The spread, and neither do the gamblers, apparently, or the betters, because the spread opened at 20.5, and it got bet down quickly with Tulane money down to about 15 or 16. And uh, as we record this, it might even move lower because Tulane has a history of playing people close. They don't get blown out very often by big-time opponents. Willie Fritz has them ready, and it's always been his M.O. Um, I, I'm just happy to see a guy like this flourish at a program, and uh, it looks like he settled in in New Orleans for the run. He's, he's going to see that to the end of his career, as far as I can tell. Yeah, absolutely, and I think where the line started, um, I, I probably would have put money on Tulane there as yeah. well. I think the closer it gets to 14, kind of a two-point, two-score game, I think K-State has the ability to cover. But I go into this weekend, you know, cautioning myself, uh, our staff, fans, that I think even if Tulane keeps it close, as long as K-State finds a way to win, I I think that, again, this will benefit K-State in the long run. This is a good challenge for them, a good test. Even if they don't look as dominant as we've seen in the first two weeks, Getting a win over a team like this, again, I think will really benefit them moving into Big 12 play. So I think I think you look at this as a, as a good thing for K-State so long as they can get out of Manhattan with a victory. I agree 100%. His name's Ryan Wallace. He covers football recruiting and helps out with team coverage at GoPowerCat.com. Make sure you're checking out his stuff by subscribing to GoPowerCat. Head on over to the 24-7 Sports Network and get yourself signed up. Wally, appreciate it very much. Hey, go Cats. And as we get ready to head into our commercial break, let's get to our interview segment. We spoke with Josh Hayes, the new safety at Kansas State. Now, he missed the first game of the season against South Dakota with an illness. So we start off our interview with the senior safety. What was it like finally getting out on the field as a Kansas State Wildcat? Here's Josh Hayes. Oh, and it was amazing just to be able to put that, those pads on, all my brothers in the locker room, and play some football. It was amazing. 
you kind of got beat to the edge early in the game. Was that yeah. a lesson learned? Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, I had to, I realized how to shoot my guns when I had a chance. So, yeah, learn from that one quick. When, when did you feel like you kind of settled in? Um, honestly, after that play where I missed that tackle, I was like, okay, we're playing ball now. So that was it. Did you feel like the defense was completely disruptive to what Missouri was trying to cover? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you tell me. Look at the score. It was a rough one. Yeah. Was there a lot of nerves before that initial play where you missed the tackle? Honestly, no. I just was kind of, you know, in the spot where I wanted to be. I just didn't make the play. So no nerves, though. Just kind of excited to be out there. And you made solid adjustments thereafter. For sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, from that point, I saw my, chance, my opportunity to make a play, and I was like, you know, I can't miss another one. So... With you, with you and Kobe back there, just just how good can that one-two combination be? Oh, that's a one-two punch for sure. I think it could be something special. I mean, two guys that love to come downhill, love football in general. So, I mean, I feel like as the season goes on, this could be scary. What was your quick thoughts on Tulane? Uh, Tulane, I think they're a very uh, athletic team. They got some guys inside and outside that can really uh, be a problem. Quarterback's good and, you know, should be a good game for sure. Josh, how good is this defense? Oh, this defense, man, like I said, scary. I think it could be a scary one. Uh, a lot of guys who are just flying around know exactly what they're doing, uh, keying the right reads and everything. So I think it would be a real good defense. What was the hardest part about watching the first game from the sidelines? Oh, just not being out there, you know. I, I Honestly, I didn't, didn't even get the chance to be on the sidelines. I was at home, so it was just tough kind of watching it all on TV and, you know, wishing I was there. Describe your continuing adjustment to free safety. Um, I think it's still something that I'm learning and growing into as I haven't taken a lot of in-game snaps at that position. So I think it's just it's going to be week by week, uh, continue to grow, get more comfortable in that spot. This is Kansas State's Felix and Yudike Uzama. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast podcast let's start with this as we bring in brian hanley our football analyst former k-state lineman on the 97 and 98 teams and that is very relevant for this conversation because not only has willie fritz traveled the state of kansas being a pittsburgh state former player he was a defensive back he started as assistant there Uh, then he coached at shawnee mission 
Northwest as an assistant. Then he moved to Sam Houston State in the mid-80s as a grad assistant. Willis High School in Texas as an assistant. Then he became the defensive coordinator at Coffeyville, a place you're quite familiar with, Brian Hanley. Then he moved to Sam Houston as a full-time coach in 1991 and 92. And there he was in 1993 to 96 as the head coach at Blinn Community College in Texas. And Brian Hanley, who was his quarterback his last two years there? Michael Bishop. Ah, he turned out <laughs> to be pretty good. From Blend, from Blend, he went to Central Missouri as head coach. Sam Houston State, 2010 to 13 as head coach. Then he got Georgia Southern rolling. He really did, leading up to what happened this past weekend in 14 and 15. And he's been at Tulane ever since. He's been rumored on occasion for a job, including Kansas a couple years ago. But at 62 years of age, he seems like he settled into New Orleans. Okay, Brian, fill us in on your background with Coach Willie Fritz because this is pretty interesting. Yeah, well, you know, my background with him is Coach Foster, who was my head coach, Coach Skip Foster was my head coach at Coffeyville and spoke glowingly. And we played them in the national championship game back in 1996 against Blinn. And he was, I mean, Coach Foster couldn't stop talking about how great of a person he was, how good of a coach that he was, it was just, it was one of those things that, that could just kind of sticks with you when somebody that you respect, and I respect Coach Foster an awful lot, somebody like that that speaks glowingly about somebody else, he just couldn't talk about how good of a coach that he was. So it just kind of stuck out of my mind, and I remember playing against him, and I remember the type of discipline that those guys had on their team. A lot of times you get guys, junior colleges, and everybody's not so disciplined. It kind of depends on where you are and your coach and all that stuff. They were extremely disciplined, extremely well coached. Uh, I, I remember, and it was what twenty six years ago, and I remember it like it was yesterday. So that's kind of what we're facing: a team that's going to be well coached. Yeah, they will be. They will be much better prepared, and and probably have some in game adjustments that we didn't see from Missouri. I ended my conversation with Ryan Wallace with that. I, I don't know how the talent stacks up. Uh, I'm sure Missouri has more talent, but uh, in terms of coaching, it greatly accelerates Tulane. And and I'll ask you this, what I finished with Wally, is Tulane the best team on K-State's non-conference schedule? Now that we've seen Missouri, I say yes. Yeah, I mean, look, it's just what you said, and it kind of leads into what I was talking about earlier. You know, a, a lot of times guys are talented, but they're not as disciplined. And if you have a, a team full of talented guys that aren't disciplined and aren't coached, they're not going to be very good. And Missouri wasn't. They just weren't very good. Tulane will be different. Again, they don't have all the Joes, but they're going to be coached up. I can assure you of that. So at K-State, we'll have more talent, but this is definitely the best team that we are going to be playing in the non-conference season. Not the most talented team, but the best team for sure. Well, he certainly went out and upgraded his talent through the transfer portal, gave quarterback Michael Pratt more weapons. And people get lost in the fact that Tulane went 2-10 and 10 last year. It was kind of a weird season for them with another hurricane passing through and all that. He had taken Tulane football to three straight bowl games until last year when they kind of came derailed. Lost a bunch of really close games, including at Oklahoma when Pratt threw it all over the Sooners. They went 2-10 and 10 a year ago. They're 2-0 and 0 this year as he's got them off to a good start. Now, Brian, they compete in the American. And the American, as we know, uh, is a really good football conference. I mean, the mm-hmm. 
The Big 12 is bringing in the three best programs starting next year. And they haven't always competed. He's only 16 and 32 in the American. But, you know, he's got bookend seasons of one and seven in conference play. His first and his eighth, or excuse me, in his sixth year. Um, so that kind of drags it down. But he's gone to the Cure Armed Forces and famous Idaho Potato Bowl. I think he'll get him back to a bowl this year. And this is exactly the kind of feather in his cap that the Tulane football program needs to probably even greatly, uh, more greatly accelerate their ability to recruit players right in their own backyard. Right. I mean, there's so yeah. much talent in the New Orleans, Louisiana area over into Houston. He's in a really talent rich area. He's getting him on the rebound right now through the transfer portal, but they come in and beat K-State. There's going to be players staying home. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that area, just that whole area is just full of good high school football players. It's unbelievable how many good players come from just that whole region uh, and section. But you're right. If they come in and BK State, a lot of those guys will say, you know what? Maybe I could be the the third or fourth string at LSU or or maybe LSU is not really recruiting me as hard as what I would like or they should be. Why not go to Tulane? Because just like you said, I believe last year was an outlier, and that's not their program. Tulane is a better program than that. Uh, it's been proven. Uh, coach Fritz is a much better coach than that. You know, who knows? what? I mean, you go through a hurricane where you're displaced. Who knows what goes on, you know, it, it, with kids and coaches and families. I mean, a lot of things can happen. So I, I just believe that last year was an outlier. We're facing a totally different football team this year. Um, and K-State needs to be prepared. As we mentioned in the first segment of the show, you'll recognize a name at cornerback for the Green Wave. Lance Robinson, the K-State transfer, has gone down there and settled right in. Uh, I'm really um, excited about this game. I'm just kind of fired up because, number one, this team will be better coached. They won't get tricked as often or as easily as Missouri did. They, They won't be getting out of position as often as Missouri did. And they will execute execute their plays much better than Missouri did, particularly with completing passes from the quarterback position. Maybe that was the elements. I don't care. Michael Pratt will put the money, the ball in the money if you give him a chance. K-State's going to have to be really disciplined, aren't they? And, and they have been. This has been a hallmark of the team so far in two games. They've been really disciplined. They've taken care of business. They have lined up right. They've done a lot of little things, pre-snap and post-snap, that are exactly the way they're coached. But the RPO game is going to be a big part of this offense, and K-State's got to handle it. They absolutely have to f- pass this test in uh, handling that run-pass option for Tulane. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot on the linebackers, a lot on the safeties and corners, being where you're supposed to be reading keys, because as soon as you don't, the RPO game, I mean, ball gets over your head and, you know, it's out the gate. So, again, just what you mentioned, just K-State's got to be got to be disciplined. I know that's what we've been the last two games. But again, to me, it's against inferior teams. This is not going to be one of those to where this team is not inferior. They're not going to quit. They're going to be coached really well. We just have to be disciplined in what we're doing. And as long as we are, then we can come out with a win. Okay, here's a two-pronged question. I want you to put on your offensive coordinator hat and answer this as Brian Hanley, offensive coordinator, and then try to interpret what you think Colin Klein as offensive coordinator will do with this team and what they put on the field Saturday. If conditions are good, I would expect them to throw the ball more often, 
but not really show a lot more in terms of the passing game, that they're not going to dig into that playbook. What would you do as offensive coordinator? Would you open it up a little bit to kind of get a little practice in there, live game execution, or would you hold things back continually um, going into that Oklahoma game, uh, even if you have the opportunity to put some stuff on the field? Well, I would hold some things back. Uh, obviously, we gotta we gotta work on the passing game. I mean, we've got to see what we have in game type situations. So throwing the ball down the field some is great. Now I know what you're gonna say. Well, Brian, you just said hold things back. You can throw the ball down the field and throw it deep down the field without incorporating a lot of your route combinations. And as long as you're not doing that, and it's just okay, we're just this guy's running a fly route and we're gonna throw it. As long as you don't open up all the rest of your route combinations that come with that with other guys, then we're fine. That's what I think K-State needs to do is we got to be able to throw the ball down the field some and at least show it to make OU practice for it. It's one thing to hold things back to not, I mean, but everybody knows that you're, you throw the ball deep. Everybody can do that. So that's fine. We have to be able to practice these things in game type situations, but still hold back a lot of the other route combinations, because believe it or not, a guy running deep opens up a post or a dig route or slant or something else. And and we don't have to show that, you know, in this game to be able to throw the ball down the field. And again, all predicates on the conditions being good. And I'm guessing that that is exactly how Colin Klein will, address this game we'll show what we need to show but we're not going to put things out there just to put things out there we've got a lot of games ahead that'll be a big challenge that's exactly right that's exactly what he'll do um you know work on the things that we need to work on without having to show show our hand right and i mean he played under bill snyder bill snyder was a master at that so if he learned anything he'll be able to do that and also, one of the things here that I think will be different than the first two games is Tulane doesn't mess around in special teams. Willie Fritz is old school, just like Bill Snyder, and in some ways, Chris Kleiman. They spend a lot of time on special teams. I don't expect K-State to get a special teams touchdown in this game. I think Tulane has the speed on special teams to compensate. They probably spend enough time on special teams not to get a punt blocked or just have pathetic coverage like Missouri did on the Phillip Brooks touchdown. That this is usually an area of the game case it dominates. It might be. It might not be true this week. Well, again, it comes back to effort. I mean, special teams is all effort, and when you're disciplined, you're going to have guys out there that are going to give the effort. So it comes back to that coaching philosophy. Coach Fritz has got those guys. He's going to have them prepared. That's what he does, and the guys are going to give effort because if they don't give effort on a team coached by him, you don't play. You don't get on the field. So it's just what you said. I I mean, again, I always believe that we have a special teams advantage, but I don't this week. I don't know that it's going to be this overwhelming advantage because their guys are going to give the effort on every single special teams unit that is out there. That's going to happen. Absolutely. K-State, by the way, folks, will visit. New Orleans and go to Tulane. It won't be in the Superdome like it was in 1988, but it will be on Tulane's new campus stadium. That'll be in 2024. And as of right now, this this is really interesting, Brian. That's a weird six-game home schedule for Kansas State because that's an even year when they've got four on the road. Now, we don't know what the future schedule will look like. I mean, by 24, I expect 
probably Oklahoma and Texas will be gone. The the new teams are all coming in next year. I think we'll be at 12 teams, but if they're at 16 because they expanded West in 2024, they're going to have to find another non-conference opponent because the power five opponent on that schedule is Arizona, who we think would be included in big 12 expansion. I'll, I'll just say this. So Brian, I, uh, and I think you'll join us in this. I can't wait to see K-Staters on Bourbon Street. It's been a dream of mine just to see the <laughs> chaos, the cultural shock. the and, and as someone who's been to Bourbon Street, and unfortunately it's kind of going through a not as safe phase again. When I was there, it was pretty safe. Um, but it uh, it was great. It's amazing. It is like a whole different world. It's like uh, Aggieville with a French accent and more uh, debauchery. And it's just going to be beautiful yeah. to see. Yeah, I mean, I've been there a few times, and you're right. It's kind of going through that non-safe phase again, but safe is in numbers. So hopefully by then they can get some of that cleaned up. But I tell you what, I cannot wait because the people that haven't been, they're going to have a ball. And it'll be cool to see because you know how we travel, especially going to a game in New Orleans. We will bring a ton of fans, and to see Bourbon Street covered in purple – will be just crazy to see. I mean, I will love it. So I hope we keep it on the schedule. I hope it doesn't get bought out because, like you said, I'll be going. I'll be right there with you. Yep, it, it will be something else. I I love New Orleans, and it's gone through so much crap between hurricanes yeah. and now, now police staffing issues that are just chronic, and, and I, I just feel for the people in New Orleans because everyone I met in New Orleans, no matter where they were on the maybe – income spectrum. Um, everyone was just wonderful. I just love that town so yep. much. We will see. Uh, I'm just fired up for that game. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Brian, does K-State win this game by, well, the line opened at 20 and a half. It dropped quickly to 15 or 16. Is this a a 20-point victory, a two-touchdown victory, or is this going to come down to the wire for the Cats? I don't think it comes down to the wire. I thought K-State would win last week a little handily, and they won way more handily than what I thought. I think this this is another game where we put, you know, kind of put a stamp on it middle of the third quarter. Because, again, when you're facing a team that's as disciplined as what Tulane, I think they're going to be, then you can't just blow somebody out like that because they're going to play good football. They got good players. You know, you're not just stepping on them and dominate them early. So I think maybe middle of the third quarter, uh, we kind of put our, our, our best foot forward and pull away a little bit. I think it's a two-touchdown win or victory, though. I think it's a two-touchdown victory. I probably would agree with you on that. But I'll say this. Uh, this is an opportunity for that K-State defensive line to be dominant. But if they don't get Michael Pratt on first uh, chance, he will pull a Colin Klein tuck and run. I mean, this guy exactly right. is a multi-dimensional threat. He's more of a thrower than a runner, uh, opposite kind of what Colin was, but he can hurt you pretty badly with the running game. So this this front seven six whatever it is for K State needs to be very definitive uh, in the way they get this guy to the ground. They can't mess around with him. No, no, they, they got to be physical, got to get people on the ground. Again, we've done a really good job of tackling. I will yep. say that we've done a good job of tackling and running to the football. This needs to be another game where we continue to do that. Because, again, you miss a guy like this or you try to arm tackle a guy like this, and you don't get him on the ground, you know, he's going to get away from you. And it causes problems, just the, and the problems that we do not need in a game like this. We just need to go handle our business and get out of there. 
uh, you know, with a good win. But again, like you said, it, it can cause problems if we don't do the things that we're supposed to do because the kid can play some football. Here's my prediction for the game. And of course, I'll have my score prediction and my five keys to victory at gopowercat.com for our subscribers. But I think K-State will handle this game. It'll be a competitive game, but they'll run the ball a lot with Deuce Vaughn because they're going to be able to control the clock and the game that way. They'll probably run it two-thirds of the time, throw it one-third of the time. K-State will win comfortably, be 3-0, and going to Oklahoma, and some fans will still say, why can't they throw the ball? You know, they'll be so worried yeah. about the passing game and probably miss the fact that there's a good chance Adrian Martinez will come out of these first three games with no turnovers. They haven't helped the opposition. They're kind of building his confidence back up from what, you know, devolved at Nebraska. I, I just think uh, if they come out of Oklahoma with an inability to throw, we got issues. But right Correct. now, I'm not that worried. There's a quiet confidence about this program in its passing game. Yeah, I, I believe the same way. You know, and I've said a couple of times that we need to do more, but saying that we need to do more is different than being worried and, and people being upset about not being able to do something. Again, you know, the game last week, I mean, it was a monsoon out there. I mean, whatever, you can't throw the football great in conditions like that. It's just not conducive. I mean, we saw that in the Chicago 49ers game on Sunday. I mean, it was ridiculous. So, what, I mean, what are you saying? Those are professionals. And if they can't do it, you can't expect college kids to be able to go out there and do the same thing. So, just I think we just need to just relax, take it easy a little bit. And you're right. Again, so you, if we come out and we can't throw the football, we're having problems – then okay, we need to stand up and be worried. But right now, just do what you do and then just win the games and then get to the games. Not that all games don't matter, but I think the audience is intelligent intelligent enough to understand, hey, these are the games that that matter, these conference games, this OU game. Let's see what we can do. So I think it's it's one of those things. We just got to relax. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. That is Brian Hanley. He will join me on Sunday for the Powercat postgame podcast, sponsored by our friends at Caddyshack Golf. And we will sum up the K-State game with Tulane and peek ahead to the Oklahoma Sooners awaiting in week four for the Wildcats. Brian, I appreciate it so very much. No problem. Thank you. And now as we get towards the end of this pregame show, let's hear from Chris Kleiman about the Tulane Green Wave. He has a lot of respect, like all of us do, for Willie Fritz. And after that, Brian Gilbert is standing by as we continue on the Powercat pregame podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. And schematically, both sides of the ball, what does Tulane present? Offensively, a lot more RPO stuff. Um, quarterback that really can sling it around, and he's a good athlete that can run. They They have a number of receivers and tight ends that um, can beat you with their speed, athleticism. Uh, the RPO game is something that we have to be really alert to. And then on, on defense, probably the multiple fronts that they can get into, different pressure looks. The one thing that's, that's challenging uh, is we have two games to go off of from this year that not, are not competitive games. And so we have to dig a little bit deeper to find some other games because I, I don't think they probably showed a whole lot in those first two games. And that was Kansas State football coach Chris Kleiman on Saturday's opponent, the Tulane Green Wave. And now let's bring in our own Ryan Gills Gilbert from the Go Powercat staff who handles the degenerate portion of the show, which is, of course, sports betting. You sicko. 
you deviant, and I love you. Sports betting's legal in Kansas, uh, Ryan Gilbert now. Um, and give me your assessment two weeks in or whatever it's been now. I feel like a lot of people are indulging in this sin, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, and I live with our own Cole Carmody, and he's been overly excited with all of his free bets, and I wish I could get some more free bets from those apps. But, you know, so many more people are just coming onto the scene now, uh, better late than never, and maybe they'll start gambling as much as me one day. But I hope they don't gamble as much as you do. <laughs> I would hope not unless they're winning, right? <laughs> uh, explain the free bets so for people that don't understand what you just said. Well, it depends on the website. It, it really does because the fine print is different from app to app. But, you know, you get, um, you know, X amount of money for signing up on certain sites. And other sites you get literally just free bets, um, you know, free play, I guess they call it. And, you know, they're usually given out in like 25 or $50 increments and, you can do whatever you want with them, and then hopefully you win a few of those bets, and then you've got a decent bankroll to, to work with, you know, for the first couple of weeks of the season and to hopefully, you know, build that up in, into the rest of the season. And then you get wealthy and buy a new car and a house. And then you quit your job with Fitz and retire, yep. Oh, crap. That didn't work out as the way I thought it would. Well, Mr. Know-it-all, let's get going. We've got five games on the slate here for us to break down. Not nearly as good of a grouping of games as we had last week. That was a fun week. I mean, from morning to night. And by the way, we didn't talk about this anywhere else on the pregame show. Did you see the ratings for that BYU-Baylor game? I did. Oh, yeah. my God. They they absolutely blew up. Big 12 after dark, I hope, becomes a reality more often than a few BYU games. I hope they add some more Western yeah. schools to the conference because that was fun. Although... When they went to overtime, that pushed my limits. That went. That was Big was Twelve bedtime? after bed. Yeah, it was. It was not good. <laughs> I watched that game on my phone. Finished it up in bed. It was pathetic. Here we go. The big one of the week in terms of importance around these parts, just because it's nostalgic. Oklahoma travels to Nebraska with interim coach Mickey Joseph. OU is an 11 point favorite on the road. This game was actually competitive last year. Somehow, some way, is Oklahoma going to win by 12 or more? Well, that's a really low number to set a really good Oklahoma team going up against a Nebraska team that clearly is good and a team that's going through a weird time right now with the firing of a head coach. But honestly, I like teams when they have something like that happen with their head coach getting fired or something. They seem to play with a chip on their shoulder, maybe a little more sense of urgency. Uh, but most importantly, just playing laid back, you know, quite literally playing with house money, having nothing to lose. Um without a head coach. I like Nebraska here. I know it sounds weird. 11 points, 12 points isn't that much um, for the Sooners to cover. But when you've got a team that really has nothing to lose, you know, teams look at, you know, the past couple of years, they tend to play better that first game after a firing. So I like Nebraska here as weird as it sounds. Well, it did sound weird, It, it but I see your point. I mean, you don't know how Nebraska is going to react to this. Maybe getting rid of Scott Frost will be a positive. I think he was liked in the locker room, so I don't know. But I'll say this. We discussed this in the regular podcast this week. You weren't able to join us. But your thoughts. Mickey Joseph, if he wins five more games for Nebraska, gets them bowl eligible, does he get the head coaching job? Well, if you ask a KU fan, it's all – well, I guess it's not Lance Leipold, but a lot of experts out there think it's Lance Leipold. Yeah. Or even some think it's Chris Kleiman. But sure, I think if you get to a bowl game, especially after that start they've had this season, you know, 
why not? I, I don't see how it could get any worse, but, but also with Nebraska, I mean, how many one score games they have last season? Wasn't like every single game. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, double digit points, if that's the spread, they're certainly going to cover that. So, you know, I think the future of Nebraska football, I mean, it can't get worse than what it's been for the last couple of years. Has it? No, I mean, it probably, well, it could get worse. <laughs> Let's. <hope. laughs> okay. You mentioned Lance Leipold. He's taking his Jayhawks down to Houston. Houston is a nine-point favorite at home. This is a preview of a future Big 12 game, and I'm here for it. I'm fired up about it. But I'm impressed. Look, I can't figure Houston out. Let's put that on the table. They struggled with a pretty good UTSA team. Then they lost at Tech in overtime. They come home. Kansas is coming off a huge road win at West Virginia to get to 2-0. and KU is a nine-point dog on the road, so can Houston win by double digits? I don't want to touch this one. I can't figure out either team. Yeah, I, I have a hard time figuring out just KU. I mean, are they really legit, or is this just kind of catching lightning in a bottle here for a few games? Um, I don't think West Virginia is good. That might be you know, maybe a, a team that's worse than KU in the Big 12, and then Tennessee Tech was just awful. So I'm not really fully bought in on Kansas yet. Um, but you look at Houston, that was a team that's ranked to start the season. You know, the first two games going into overtime, if history is going to repeat itself, then they're certainly not going to cover. But that's still, I think, a lot better team. Talking about Houston, that's a better team than Kansas. If they, if Kansas can win this game, I, I think it's going to be impossible to deny what's going on in Lawrence. But for now, I just don't think we've seen enough from Kansas to really put any sort of money on them. I think it's Houston or stay away. I just don't think you can trust Kansas here. I agree. I, I don't know what to think of Kansas. They are improved. There's no doubt about it. The offense can put up points, but they really haven't played against the defense yet. And I don't know if that's Houston or not. We'll find out. Texas Tech, in another big non-conference game for the Big 12, goes to NC State, coached by another possible Nebraska candidate, Dave Doran. The Wolfpack are 10-point favorites. Do they win by 11 or more against the Red Raiders that are coming off that win over Houston? Yeah, we just talked about Houston, and I you know, tried to compliment them as best I could. Being a ranked team, I think Texas Tech's good enough to probably keep this game close. I don't know how good NC State really is. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't think that they're more than a couple touchdowns better. I mean, the ACC is not that good aside from Clemson, right? So I don't know if Texas Tech wins this game, but you would hope they can cover and, and keep it close. This will be a great measurement of the Big 12 against the ACC because Tech is regarded as in the bottom portion of this conference this season and NC State's in the upper portion of the ACC. It's a home game for them. I would bet Tech here, and I won't be surprised if the Red Raiders win this game. I think there's that big a difference right now between the conferences outside of Clemson. Future Big 12 school, BYU. Coming off that enormous win over Baylor. And again, that was an incredible game. It was so much fun. They go up to Oregon in possibly a Big 12 game preview. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. The Ducks are favored by three on their home field against the Cougars. What are your thoughts? I like Oregon here uh, for two reasons. Number one, when you have a big win like that over you know your future conference opponent, that was a heck of a game. Uh, I fear that maybe you have a little bit of a hangover the following week after such a big performance. And then number two, uh, Oregon opened as six and a half point favorites. It's down to about you know three right now. So 
Uh, the odds makers think that Oregon's got this game by about a touchdown, and now the public has shifted that line to about a field goal. So regardless of what you really think of the game, I would ride with Vegas and, and take those points that they are, are giving you here. Oregon, you know, good team, probably the best out there in the Pac-12. Uh, I, I like Oregon here. Just a reminder that we're using Caesars Sportsbook odds, their spreads right now. Caesars and CBS slash 24-7 Sports have a relationship. So those are the odds we're using. And these odds I'm stating are as of Wednesday afternoon, fresh off the sportsbook I have on my phone. What a world we live in. What, what a bunch of deviants we can be. Okay, here we go. Tulane. At K-State, this game started at 20 and a half points on some books. It is now down to straight up 14. K-State is favored. And I got to say, I'm intrigued that the money has come in so hard on Tulane. It's driven this down by almost an entire touchdown. But I do think this spread is more realistic than what the 20.5 was. Does K-State win by 15 or more? And was the spread of winning by 21 or more spot on or too much? Well, I think it would be interesting to look at the sharp money actually, you know, being placed on this game where all of the big betters are placing their money. Because if you just look at this on paper, you know, K-State obviously had a big win against Mizzou. But if you look at their statistics and stuff, they didn't do much. They haven't passed the ball. They did that against South Dakota either. So I think that might be one of the reasons why this line has shrunk is because fans, I guess not fans, betters around the country aren't sold on Kansas State. But if you really look into it, it's because Kansas State obviously has had no reason to really show much of their offense. Going into Oklahoma next week, I don't see how Chris Kleiman cannot know what he's getting with Adrian Martinez. This is the week where you really start to show some of your playbook off get Martinez some shots down the field, you know, see what he's all about. Because I, I just don't see how Kleiman and his, his coaching staff can go down the Norman and not know what they're getting with Adrian Martinez. I just don't see how they can comfortably live with that. Now, maybe they do. And if they do that, then Kansas State maybe doesn't win this game by a whole lot. If they're conservative, they run the football and just don't, you know, beat themselves in the foot. But you know, if they really want to open up the playbook and get Martinez's confidence really high into a conference game against OU, I think they really have to put their foot on the gas and really go after Tulane. Look, Tulane's a good team. I think we've talked all about that, how they're pretty comparable to, you know, like a South Dakota. Just because of that name on the front of the jersey doesn't mean they're not a good team because they're not power five. Tulane's good. You know, they're solid. And I don't think this game's going to be a blowout, but. I like how, you know, you've got, like you mentioned, it was opening at 20 and now it's just down to 14 points. So, you know, like I just said with BYU, you know, you're getting free points there if you bet on K-State. So uh, I like K-State to cover unless they some for some reason just decide to have a bland game. But I don't think this is going to be a game where you can just, you know, run it up the middle and have those basic plays like you did against Missouri and South Dakota because Tulane is a good team. I don't know if you can get away with, you know, a win by just playing basic football. So I think they're they're going to pull out some of the stops here against Tulane um, ahead of that Oklahoma game to get Martinez confidence up. And if they do that, I think they can win by, by more than a few touchdowns. I, I really do. That's not the inner fan in me coming out, you know, saying that Kansas state, I, I think is a couple scores better than this team in Tulane. And if they play to their potential and show up all the plays, I don't see how they don't cover. 
And Ryan Gilbert has you prepared to go gamble your life savings away on college football. Mr. Gilbert, I appreciate it very much. Yep. Thank you so much. And that is it for this podcast with one exception. Every week, I'm going to give you the one part of the game I want you to keep your eye on. And this week, I turn my attention to the Kansas State defense. Tulane has an effective offense, no doubt about it. Quarterback Michael Pratt is an effective thrower who can also run. And because of that, Coach Willie Fritz has built this offense around the RPO, the run-pass option. Do I stick it in the running back's belly, or do I pull it out, keep it, or throw it? I've got all those options on my plate as the quarterback. And what this does is stresses the linebackers and safeties to not be fooled. And they will be at times because Pratt is very good at running this offense. Tulane's going to score more points than we've seen so far at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I'm confident in that. And a big reason will be that K-State will have to defend this run-pass option at a very high level, and mistakes will be cashed in by a pretty good quarterback. Keep an eye on the K-State defense and this beautiful RPO offense that Willie Fritz runs at Tulane. Well, I appreciate you listening so much. Again, our numbers are going through the roof with the pregame and the postgame podcast, and we will be back on Sunday with another edition of the postgame podcast, win or lose. Brian Hanley and I will reconvene to discuss what happened at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday afternoon, and we'll take a peek ahead at Oklahoma, but we will have another edition of this podcast next week at this same time as the Cats prepare to open their season with the Oklahoma Sooners in Norman. And thanks so much to our sponsors at Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company is the title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. It is the Wildcats and the Green Wave, 2 p.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday, right here in beautiful MHK. And if you can't make it to the stadium, you can find the game streaming on ESPN Plus, Big 12 Now. I'm Fitz, and thanks for listening. I'll see you at the Bill. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.